0: hey good morning and welcome to rock hill at home and i'm so glad that you decided to tune in and join us for this special online service today and uh, we're looking forward to what god is going to do in this season as a church uh, that we are calling gaining ground And in just a couple of weeks, we're gonna be moving into a brand new building uh, that God has provided for us. And we are so excited uh, about this transition and about this new home that God has uh, provided for us. And and we get to be a part uh, of this process and of this transition. And I wanna encourage you to be a part of our service next week. Uh, Whether it's our online service uh, here at rockhill.church or Facebook or YouTube, or our drive-in service that we're having at Jesse Turner Community Center, uh, because next week we're receiving the Gaining Ground Offering. And I truly believe that next Sunday is going to be a miracle Sunday. And so I wanna encourage you to be in your place. Make sure that you're ready and on time to watch that online service or that you're parked right in that stall for our drive-in service. But I truly believe that God's gonna do a miracle in our midst next Sunday as we receive the Gaining Ground Offering. And this offering is going to be used for uh, the enhancements and the purchases that we need to make uh, for this new building uh, to make it home and also for the lease in this new building. And we're believing that God is gonna provide exactly what we need in order to gain ground, in order to move forward in this season. And I wanna encourage you today to begin praying how God would have you be a part of this special offering. I believe that God wants us all to be engaged and to uh, be all in in where he has us and to be rooted and planted here at Rock Hill. So I want to encourage you uh, to begin planning and praying and uh, determine how you can be a part next week for this special offering. Uh, you can give online at, at Give. Uh, There's a tab that says gaining ground, and you can give through that. Uh, You can also give in person next week at the drive-in service as we uh, come in. We're going to have a special time of giving uh, before the Lord, and we want to do this uh, willingly. We want to give willingly and cheerfully, Uh, and we don't have to do this. We get to do this, and I'm so excited to be a part of this special miracle offering on September 20th next Sunday, and I hope that you'll join us and determine to be a part as well. And this morning, we're going to continue on in our series in the book of 2 Kings. And we are studying the life of the Old Testament prophet Elisha. And Elisha was the master of momentum. Uh, His ministry was constantly moving forward and experiencing miracle after miracle after miracle. And so Elisha is teaching us how to gain ground in spite of our circumstances, in spite of everything that's going against us in 2020. How can we spiritually gain new ground and chart out new territory for God's glory? And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And so if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to grab it. We're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4 today. And I want to bring a message that I'm calling this, Pour It Out. How we can learn to pour it out for God's glory. And we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, so I want to encourage you to grab a Bible. If you're ready, uh, wherever you're watching from today or listening from, go ahead and type ready in the comment section to let us know that you're with us and uh, ready to hear a message from God's word today. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says this Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, go. Everybody leave in the comment section today, go. He says, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels. And thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and she shut the door upon her and her sons and, who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. Go ahead and leave those two words in the comments today. Poured out. She did exactly as Elisha had instructed and she went and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full. When the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay the debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for this opportunity to have an online service and have an online format where we can study God's word together and participate in growing in our knowledge of you. God, I pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit as we look, look to this text that Uh, Your Holy Spirit would illuminate these words for us to help us understand uh, how this text applies to what we're going through today. God, I pray that if there's someone that's watching this video or listening to this podcast that does not know you as their Savior, God, I pray that today they can see their need uh, for salvation and that they can know that uh, they can have a home in heaven forever uh, based on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross So God, I pray that you would do a great work today. I pray that you would guide us and uh, lead us in the right direction. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of months ago, I was working at home and uh, I was thirsty. And so I went and I asked Katie if she knew where a water bottle was and she wasn't sure. We knew that we had some water bottles, but we weren't quite sure where they were. And so I went to the backyard where my kids were playing and I was going to ask My oldest daughter live if she knew where the water bottles were and I went outside and I looked outside and uh, there was my youngest daughter Blakely and she was surrounded by about 40 empty water bottles and the caps all over the grass and uh, just a big mess with all these water bottles out on the lawn and I said Blakely what are you doing and she looked at me very proud of herself and she said I'm watering the grass and uh, she went and took all these water bottles one by one, opened them up, and poured them out uh, all over the lawn. They poured out uh, every single water bottle that we had. And I thought about that story, and I thought, you know, this morning as we study 2 Kings chapter number 4, we find a woman who by faith determined to pour out everything that she had in order to see God work in her life. She poured it all out And I believe that there's a spiritual principle for us to learn here, and that is this: that spiritually, if we want to be filled up, we have to first learn to pour out. Uh, the Bible puts it this way in Mark chapter 14, a very common and familiar story, no doubt, uh, that you uh, have heard of. Uh, but it's here in, in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. Uh, the Bible says in Mark 14 verse3, that he sat at meat, and there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment and spikenard, very precious. And she break the box and she poured it on his head. And so what we see here is this amazing picture where Mary takes this very uh, expensive ointment and this this box of spikenard and she breaks open the box. And the Bible says that she pours it out all for Jesus. And we see this amazing and beautiful picture of all out surrender and total sacrifice. And it's been said that uh, salvation costs you nothing. But discipleship costs you everything. Salvation costs you nothing, but discipleship costs you everything. It's that willingness of spirit to say, you know what? Whatever God wants in my life, he can have it. I'm willing to pour out everything that I have for God so that he and he alone can fill me up. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse number 33 says this. So likewise, whosoever uh, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. And so the call to follow Jesus is a call of uh, radical abandonment, a willingness to pour out our lives as an offering before the Lord. Uh, I was reading this week about a renowned musician from the 1800s. Uh, His name was uh, Judson DeVenter, and he was a very skilled musician. He was very accomplished. In fact, Uh, he had mastered 13 different instruments, which I had found interesting because I've taken piano lessons before and I couldn't make it a couple of months. Uh, But this man, uh, he mastered 13 different instruments. Very skilled, very accomplished, great career. But one night in the 1800s, he went to a uh, revival meeting and there God started to work in his heart, work in his life and he decided in that revival meeting that he was going to surrender his life to the Lord and he was gonna turn from his uh, music career and he was gonna go into evangelism and he was gonna follow the calling that God had put on his life to go and to, to preach the gospel through evangelism. And he knew that this couldn't be a half-hearted decision He knew that this couldn't just be like, I'm going to do this on the side. He knew that he had to go all in. So that night he went home and he started to write the lyrics down for a new song that God put on his heart. And that song was the song, I Surrender All. And this song is a hymn that no doubt, uh, if you grew up in church at all, you've uh, sung this hymn and it's been a renowned song that's been sung for, for, for many years all across the world. I Surrender All. Now, now these are lyrics that we're very familiar with, but we have to answer honestly the question, am I really surrendering all? Am I really willing to leave it all on the line for my faith in Jesus Christ? See, this is one of the upside down truths of the kingdom of God, and that is that victory in life comes by way of surrender. And so many people aren't experiencing victory because they're not exemplifying surrender. This morning, if you want to experience victory in your life and you want to gain ground, then you have to learn to surrender and to pour out your life as an offering before the Lord. And this is exactly what we see in our text today with this widow from 2 Kings chapter 4. And so this morning, I want to give us just a few encouraging thoughts today uh, that can steer us in the right direction. A few encouraging thoughts that can help us live a life of, of total surrender before the Lord. And so if you're taking notes today, I want to give you three encouraging thoughts. Number one is this. I want to encourage you that God sees you in your desperation. God sees you in your desperation. Uh, notice verse number one. It says this in 2 Kings chapter four. And if you're still with me today, would you go ahead and put in the comments with me? And uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter four, verse number one says this. Now there cried a certain woman of the wise of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, thy servant, my husband is dead and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And so this woman, this uh, this uh, widow, she lost her husband in this in this tragedy. And what she does is she cries out uh, to Elisha. She cries out to God's man. And I think it's interesting that in her moment of desperation, she doesn't run from God, but rather she runs to God. And, and I want to encourage you today and ask you, where do you run when times get desperate? Where do you go when you've experienced a great loss? Do you run from God or to God? And we see this widow, she runs to uh, God's man. We see her uh, devastation. We see uh, her, her uh, uh, difficulty that she's facing here with the fact that she lost her husband. And not only did she lose her husband, but she was having a hard time with her finances because now that her husband wasn't there, she couldn't pay the bills. And now the creditors wanted to come and they wanted to take her uh, sons away to be bondmen, to be servants, and according to Hebrew law, they had every right to do so. And so now she was struggling with her family, she was struggling with her finances, she was struggling with her future because she didn't know uh, what she was supposed to do. And so in that moment of desperation, she cries out to Elisha. And I want to encourage you today that God sees you in your desperation. I I love that this story begins with a certain woman. Because it's completely opposite of what we saw last week in chapter 3, that last week we saw that Elisha was dealing with uh, kings and nations and armies, and they were digging trenches for water, and this was a big, grand scene. And then we transition to chapter 4, and there's a certain woman. Why? Because God cares about the individual. God cares about your story. God God knows exactly what you're going through today. Yes, he cares about our country, and yes, he cares about uh, the church as a whole, but I want to encourage you, God loves you individually, and God knows that there are certain situations taking place that have his eye of affection. And so because God sees her inner desperation, uh, he puts Elisha in her path. And so she cries out to Elisha, and she uh, cries out for Elisha help. And I just want to encourage you today that whatever you might be going through, whatever burden that you're carrying, uh, God knows. He sees you in this situation. My kids uh, this past week, they started uh, homeschooling and uh, uh, they can't go to their school right now because of all the lockdowns and they're not allowed to go. And so we're doing an online learning format. And I've been watching my son who's in kindergarten and uh, uh, he's trying to learn you know, uh, where to look on the Zoom call and, and, and when to raise his hand and when to speak up. And, and I saw him being very attentive and he was raising his hand for a long time. And uh, this was uh, only a couple hours into the day. He was raising his hand. Finally, the teacher called on him and said, yes, Luke, what do you need? And Luke said, "Uh, when are we going to be done here? (laughs) And that was his question. Like, when are we going to be done? And I think that all of us today can relate to that question as it pertains to 2020. Like, when are we going to be done? (laughs) Like, when is all the bad news going to be over? If it's not a virus, it's fires. If it's not fires, it's riots. And and everywhere we look, we see political divide and turmoil and hatred and and, and disaster and catastrophe. But I want you to know today that God sees you right where you are. He he sees your individual situation. He sees you in your desperation. And He loves you uh, today. And I want to encourage you uh, with this truth. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his eyes uh, and his ears are open unto their cry. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. God sees you in your desperation. But, but we see her desperation, but I want you to see, I want you to see also the compassion uh, that Elisha brings to this story. Notice verse number two. It says this, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Elisha comes to the woman and he says, How can I help you? Uh, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? What, what do you need from me? How can I help you? And this is an interesting response and question that Elisha gives because, again, if you remember last week, this was completely opposite to his response when Jehoshaphat reached out uh, to uh, Elisha. Elisha said to Jehoshaphat, or he said to Jehoram, the king of Israel, he said, were it not for the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look towards you or speak to you. Uh, Elisha said, I don't even want to help you guys uh, in this situation. But here, when it comes to this widow, he says, how can I help you? And he shows compassion uh, to uh, this widow. Uh, Can I just encourage you uh, that you don't have to be high and mighty to garner God's attention. Uh, You don't have to be uh, in a great big position for God to notice what's going on in your life. Uh, He notices this poor uh, widow in her situation and pours out his compassion on her life. And maybe today you can relate maybe just like this widow, you are experiencing a family struggle. Maybe when it comes to your immediate family or your extended family, maybe there's uh, health problems in your family, or maybe there's divide in your family. Maybe you're experiencing a a family problem. Maybe today you're experiencing a, a financial problem. Maybe today financially you are struggling just like this Widow in Second Kings chapter four, and we've been talking about you know being a part of this gaining ground offering and giving towards this special offering, and maybe you've been thinking I can't be a part of this offering because I've been struggling financially and I barely have enough money to pay my own bills, and so uh, so so maybe you've been saying I, I just can't be involved because I'm struggling financially. You know, according to the American Psychological Association, sixty percent of Americans live stressed out uh, when it comes to money. Sixty percent of Americans say I'm constantly stressed because of my financial situation and so maybe today you're struggling uh, with family or finances maybe you're struggling as it pertains to your future just like this woman Uh, you're not sure what tomorrow holds and that uncertainty brings anxiety that uncertainty brings fear and maybe today you're struggling and again I want to encourage you God sees you in your desperation because in this woman's struggle who shows up God's man and he says how can I help you And so we see God's compassion on this woman and how he notices what she is going through. And so number one today, if you're taking notes, God sees you in your desperation. Here's the second thought today. Number two, God begins with what you already have. God begins with what you already have. Notice verse number two. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? Here's a profound question. Elisha asks her this question, What do you have in your house? He says, What do you already have? Isn't that an interesting question? Elisha does not say, What do you need? He says, What do you have? A lot of times we're focused on what we think that we need, and God wants us to focus on what we already have. A lot of times we think, You know, I can be used of God if I had more time, if I had more uh, energy. If I had more experience, if I had more training, if I had more money, uh, then I can be used of God. And, you know, once I get more uh, time on my hands and once I get more money and once I get a little bit more experience, you know, then I'll be used of God. And so often we're focusing on what we think that we need. And God says, what do you already have? He says, what do you have in your house? See, God begins with what we already have. And so Elisha says, what do you have? And she says this in verse number two. Uh, She said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And I want you to see her perspective. Uh, She had a perspective problem here. She says, "Uh, I don't have anything. Well, I have a little bit of oil. Notice her perspective and the order in which she says. She doesn't say, oh, I have a pot of oil. No, she says, I don't have anything. Well, I guess I have a little bit of this oil. And so her problem was not her shortage, her problem was her perspective of her shortage. She said, I don't have anything save this little pot of oil. And so often our perspective is the same way. Uh, we think, what can I give in this offering? I don't have anything. I can't give towards the gaining ground offering. I don't have anything. Well, I do have a little bit in my bank account, but that's already used for this. And, and uh, I can't use that because that's going to be used for this. And, and, uh, and we, make, we make these uh, excuses or justify why we don't have anything to give to the Lord. And, and God would say, what do you have? See, she said, I don't have anything. I have a little bit of oil. She had the wrong perspective. I, I believe God wants us to answer this question today. What do we already have? Not what do we need, Not what do we want, not not what's on our wish list, not what we hope to have someday, but what do we already have? What has God already placed in your hands? Uh, What time has God already given you to use for his glory? Uh, What experience has God already given you that can encourage somebody else? What, What resources, what finances has God already placed in your hands that you can use for his glory? Elisha looks at the woman and he says, what do you have in the house? She had a perspective problem. But I want you to see the potential at the end of verse number two because she says, I have nothing save a little pot of oil. I I do have a little bit of oil. But that little bit of oil was exactly what God needed to use to multiply the blessing in her life. That little bit of oil was all God needed. See, God begins with what we already have. We see this time and time again in scripture. We see God comes to Moses in, in Exodus chapter four, verse number two. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? He says, what do you have? And and Moses says, a rod. And God used that rod to do miracle after miracle. And God showed his power through that rod. See, it was something that Moses already had. Uh, We we see the feeding of the 5,000 plus the women and children in John chapter number 6. And and they needed to feed everyone. They they didn't know how they were going to do it. And what does the Bible say in John 6, 9? There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are they among so many? And we know that God used those uh, five loaves and two fishes to feed the masses, to feed the multitude. See, uh, God begins with what we already have. And so often our focus is on uh, the size of our problem and, and our problems are so big and our possessions are so small, but we fail to factor in God into the equation because with God little is much when he is in it, little as much when God is in it. She said, I just have a little bit of oil and that's exactly what God needed to use for his glory. And so today, what is in your hand? What, what, What has God already given you that you can use and you can steward for his glory? I was reading uh, this week about uh, a graphic designer who passed away recently. His name is Milton Glazer, and uh, you may not be familiar with his name, but you are no doubt familiar with his work. Uh, He was a designer that worked with uh, Bob Dylan. He was an editor or co-founder of the New York Magazine. But perhaps his most iconic work and uh, his most famous design that you have undoubtedly seen is uh, someone had asked him, can you come up with a graphic design or a logo that can be used to promote tourism in New York City? And so, uh, uh, Milton Glaser, he was just in his taxi one day, and he started to just kinda doodle on a piece of paper, and he just wrote three letters and one symbol. Three letters and one symbol. He wrote, I heart NY, I heart New York. And that sketch uh, has been used all across the world and millions and millions of t-shirts and hats and socks and signs and stickers and magnets have been displayed with that sign I Heart New York. it's a very simple logo but it's been seen everywhere and he said this in 2011 he said i'm flabbergasted by what happened to this little simple nothing of an idea He said, just a little, simple, nothing of an idea, but it was used uh, way uh, more than I could possibly imagine. And I just want to encourage you today, if that can happen out in the world in the hands of men, how much more, when we put our time, talent, and treasure in the hands of God, can he multiply it for his glory? Never underestimate what God can do with a little. I want to encourage you, God begins with what we already have. And so today, God sees you in your desperation He begins with what we already have. And this leads us to our third thought today. Number three, God's supply will follow our surrender. God's supply will always follow our surrender. If you're still with me today, would you go ahead and drop an amen in the comments as we uh, conclude uh, with this last point today. God's supply will follow our surrender. Now, Elisha is going to respond uh, to her saying, I have a little bit of oil by giving her some instructions. And she follows through. She obeys uh, these instructions to a T. And we see her surrendering here. We see a beautiful picture of submission, surrender, and obedience. And I want you to see, as we close today, uh, four ways in which uh, which she surrenders uh, that we can learn from today. First, I want you to see that she surrendered publicly. She surrendered to this plan publicly. Notice what it says in verse number three. And he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And so Elisha tells her, I want you to go and I want you to start borrowing vessels from all your neighbors. Have you ever thought about that conversation? She's just going, knocking on doors, and uh, she's saying, hey, can I borrow some Tupperware? Uh, can I borrow some empty vessels? And they might have looked at her like, why do you need these, these vessels? What, what are you doing? Didn't, didn't your husband just pass away? What, you know, what, what's going on? Why do you need these? And it may have seemed foolish that she was just going around asking for Tupperware, asking for some vessels uh, that are empty, And uh, people might have looked at her uh, oddly. But I want to encourage you today that so often if we want to take that next step and we want to gain ground for God's glory, we can't be concerned with the opinions of other people about us. We can't be concerned if the world thinks that we look foolish for following God's instructions. She's going around knocking on doors. Can I have some vessels? And they may have thought that this was odd. But after God provided his supply and after God poured out the miracle in her situation and filled up those vessels then her testimony was used greatly amongst her neighbors because then they realized, wow, God did a miracle uh, here. And so uh, God used her and used her testimony to make a difference amongst her neighbors. Why? She was willing to surrender publicly and she made an impact on her neighborhood. Can I just encourage you that this whole campaign of gaining ground and moving into a new building, it's not simply for us. It's not simply so we can have a comfort zone. It's not simply so we can find a more comfortable building that, that that we can just enjoy just for us. No, it's so that we can make a difference amongst our neighbors. It's so that we can reach more people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. We have to be willing to gain ground and to surrender to God's call publicly. Why? So that we can reach more people in our community. Never underestimate the collateral of your faith. You step out by faith and you surrender to God's plan publicly and watch how your neighbors and your family will start to notice in your life that, uh, that you're serious about your calling and never underestimate uh, the power of your influence when you take a stand for Christ. We are called, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. She surrendered publicly. But then, interestingly, she also surrendered privately. She took a public stand But then she was also willing to do what she needed to do privately uh, for the Lord. It says this in verse number four. And when thou art come in, this is Elisha's instruction to her. He said, when you get back from collecting all the vessels, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and thy sons and shalt pour out into those vessels. So now she comes back home and Elisha says, I want you to make sure you shut the door behind you. Make sure that if you have neighbors coming and kind of want to see what's going on, that you shut the door and you do this in private. Why is that so? because God often does his greatest work behind the scenes. God often does his greatest work in secret. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God does great things uh, uh, behind the scenes when we are willing to, to privately seek Him uh, even behind closed doors. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 2, just a few verses before, Jesus was talking about giving and, and He was saying how some of the, the Pharisees, they, uh, they, therefore, uh, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. He's saying when you're about to give an offering, don't sound a trumpet. Hey, look at me. Look what I'm about to do. do, do, do. Uh, here's a trumpet. Come look at me, what I'm doing. No, He's saying, Hey, not everything that you do in service of the king needs to be broadcasted or trumpeted uh, out in the community. Not everything that you do for Jesus needs to be trumpeted on social media. Not everything that you do for the Lord needs to be broadcasted for the world to see. Uh, God does some of his greatest work behind closed doors. And yes, we want to take a public stand uh, in our community. And we want to take a public stand uh, before our neighbors. But also, we have to recognize that the power often lies in prayer behind closed doors when no one else is watching see i believe that that if we're going to gain ground for god's glory it's not going to be because uh, we have the greatest marketing campaign out in public I believe that if we're gonna gain ground for God's glory and we're gonna go into this new building and continue to reach more people, it's gonna be because like this past Saturday when 15 men decided to come to a men's prayer meeting and pray that God would give us wisdom and pray and beg God for revival and pray that God would provide the money needed to move into this building. See, uh, not everything has to be broadcasted, but there is power In prayer, and there is power in serving when no one else can see. There's power in in worshiping when no one else can see. We ought to be willing to take a stand publicly, but also take a stand and surrender privately and do what we know is right, even if no one is watching. And so uh, she surrenders publicly. She surrenders privately. But I want you to see, uh, thirdly, she surrendered sacrificially. She surrendered sacrificially because it says this in verse number five. And really, here's the heartbeat of this message. She says this, it says this, and she went from him and she shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her. And she poured out. She poured out. All she had was a little pot of oil. All she had was just a little vessel. She had a bunch of empty vessels that were there that she collected from the neighbors. But all she had was one little pot of oil. And the Bible says that she poured it out. She poured out everything that she had. She didn't know how God was going to do the miracle. She didn't know how all the vessels were going to be filled up. But she poured out and she did an all-out sacrifice for God. She poured out everything that she had by faith. Uh, She surrendered sacrificially. In our household, we've been praying uh, for this gaining ground offering and we've been talking about uh, how we should participate as a family. And Katie and I have been talking about what we want to give together. And our daughter our daughter, Liv has been listening to us. And, and she recently had a birthday and she got some birthday money. And just a couple of nights ago she came in and she said, I want to give all my birthday money uh, to the offering for the church. And we said, Liv, that is so awesome. Jesus would be so happy. But you don't have to give all your money. Uh, You don't have to do that. And she said, no, I want to. I want to give everything that I have. And that's all the money that she has to her name. And I I believe that's the childlike faith that that God wants to see in our lives. where We're willing to give whatever we have. We're willing to do whatever it takes to reach more people and to glorify God with the resources that he's given us. And And we see that this woman, she poured it all out. She gave sacrificially in order to see God work. In her life, Uh, I read a quote by C.S. Lewis not too long ago that had a profound impact on my view of generosity. C.S. Lewis said this, and and I really hope that you'll lean in and listen to this quote um, uh, by C.S. Lewis. He said this I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. And he's talking about giving. The only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our habits in giving do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. He says, if our giving habits don't, don't, don't pinch or hamper us, they're too small. He says, there ought to be things we want to do, but cannot do because our giving expenditures exclude them. He said, there ought to be some things in your life that, we, that you want to do, but you can't do because your generosity, your, your giving expenditures exclude them. What is he saying? He's saying that if your generosity does not include sacrifice, then, then your definition of generosity is not correct. Uh, because true generosity and biblical generosity will require a sacrifice there ought to be some things that maybe we would like to do but we cannot afford to do because we are going to be generous before the lord and we're going to sacrifice before him the bible calls us over and over again to a life of sacrifice and a life of surrender philippians four eighteen says this but i have all and i abound and i'm full having received of epaphroditus the things which were sent from you paul's writing back to the church of philippi uh, about an offering that they sent to him and he, He said, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. See, what did they do in their offering? They made a sacrifice that was acceptable and well-pleasing to God. I believe today that God wants us to surrender. He wants us to gain ground and we can do that by pouring out sacrificially what we have before the Lord so that he can multiply it for his glory. And that we see that she sacrificed, she surrendered uh, publicly, privately, sacrificially, but finally she sacrificed, she surrendered fruitfully, fruitfully, because it says this in verse 6, and it came to pass when the vessels were full, the vessels were full, she poured out what she had, and God poured out what he had, and all of the vessels that she brought that day, all of the vessels that she borrowed from the neighbors, they were full, and she said unto her son, bring me yet another vessel, and he said, there is not another vessel more, and the oil stayed. And so what we see is that uh, she poured out what she had and God poured out what he had and God's supply always follows our surrender. And I want you to see that the oil, the amount of oil that she received was only limited by the amount of vessels that she had. The amount of oil that she received was only limited by the amount of vessels that she had. Uh, and, And what that means is that if she went out and collected 20 vessels that day from her neighbors, then God filled up 20 vessels with oil. If she were to go out and get 50 vessels uh, 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 that she brought back, God would fill up 50 vessels. If she went out and got 100 vessels, uh, God was going to fill up those 100 vessels. There was no limit to the miracle. There was no limit to what God could do. The only limit was the amount of vessels that she went out and got. And I want to say this today, for you and for me and for our church at Rock Hill, there is no limit to what God wants to do in our church. There is no limit to what God wants to do in our community. There is no limit to the amount of people that we can see reach with the gospel. The only question is, how many vessels are we willing to fill up? The only question is, how many vessels are we willing to go and by faith fill up for his glory? The only limit is the amount of vessels that she got, and those vessels represented her faith. What did she believe God was going to do? Fill up five vessels, fill up 50 vessels, fill up 500 vessels vessels and what we're doing as we take this gaining ground offering is by faith we're 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 collecting vessels we're collecting vessels and we're we're asking god uh, to we're going to pour out the little bit that we have we're asking god to fill up and to multiply our little for his glory can i just encourage you god sees you in your desperation god begins with what we already have and god's supply always follows our surrender in fact notice the last verse in verse 7 it says this Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and and pay off thy debt and live thou and thy children off the rest. Every struggle that she was experiencing at the beginning of this text, just seven verses later, God answers her prayer and God answers her cry and now she's reunited with her sons and with her family and now she has enough money to pay off those creditors and to pay off all of her debt and enough money to live off of because God honored her faith and God poured out his supply on her life. Can I encourage you today? Let's determine to pour it out. Let's determine to live a life of surrender and say, God, whatever it is in my life, it's yours. And when we pour out what we have, God will pour out his supply on our lives. The Bible says in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, but my God shall supply, everybody leave that word in the comments today, supply. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The truth is today as we close, we have a lot more in common with this widow than we might even imagine. This lady was experiencing a great debt that she owed that she could never pay. And just like that, I want to tell you today that all of us owed a debt that we could never pay. All of us were born with a sin nature. Nobody had to teach us how to sin we we're pretty good at it as soon as we were born and as soon as we're babies you know we, we fight for things we hit we want things uh, for ourselves and nobody had to teach us how to be selfish we're just naturally selfish and naturally sinful and because we were born into a sinful fallen broken world because of that sin there was a price to be paid and there was a debt that we owed And we can never make that payment on our own. And that's exactly why God sent his son, Jesus, to come to earth and to live a perfectly sinless life and to go to the cross to pay the price that we couldn't pay so that we could experience the forgiveness of our debt. We could experience the forgiveness of our sins and we can be reconciled to God and redeemed by his blood and we can be restored to a right relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. And just like this woman owed this debt that she could never pay, so did you and I. But I'm thankful today that we can have a relationship with God and we can experience the forgiveness of our sins because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses. Aren't you thankful today for the forgiveness that we can find in Jesus Christ? blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and he took it out of the way nailing it to his cross today if you've never experienced the forgiveness of sins you can't have your sins forgiven you can't have your debt paid and secure a home in heaven through jesus christ alone jesus said i am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me Maybe you grew up religious, maybe you grew up reading the Bible or grew up Catholic or grew up around uh, some of uh, the teachings of the Bible, but maybe you've heard some of these things but never truly put your faith in Jesus alone. And I wanna tell you, no amount of good deeds can get you to heaven. You can never earn your way to heaven and earn your salvation. So many people think if I uh, do this task, if I'm a good person, if I go to church, if I help out people, and generally I'm pretty good person, so if I'm good enough, I'll get to heaven. People say that all the time. If I ask, how do you know that you're going to go to heaven? They say, well, I'm a pretty good person. Bad people go to hell and good people go to heaven. And that's just not the case. Uh, The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only way that we can go to heaven when we die is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, you can be saved. And I want to close out this message. I want to do two things. I want to encourage you to pray to pray for our gaining ground offering next week, that our church family would be willing to pour it out sacrificially so that God can bring in his provision and God can provide for our church family. But I also wanna encourage you today, if you've never prayed and accepted Christ, I'm gonna gonna close by praying a prayer that I'd ask you uh, to, uh, to pray as well. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to accept him as your savior today and you wanna be saved and have a home in heaven, you can pray this prayer as well. And so as I pray and conclude this time, I would encourage you, if you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your savior, you can do that this morning. Let's have a word of prayer together. And if you'd like to pray and accept Christ, you can repeat after me today. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I owed a debt that I could never pay. But today I realize that I can turn from my sin and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that he rose again on the third day. And today I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for a home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.